This is Dale Jr., and you're listening to Dirty Mo Radio. Charlie Daniels Racing, I have to ask you, does your dad get asked about me and Charlie Daniels he all does. the time? He does, <laughs> and there would be times where we were on the road and we would stop somewhere to eat, and people would see the name on the side of the hauler and ask if we were with Charlie Daniels and the Charlie Daniels Band, and we would say yes, that we were hauling <laughs> band equipment in the cars. <laughs> Welcome to Kelly Earnhardt Miller's Fast Lane Family, presented by Wella Professionals. Salon care products that you can experience with your senses. Get high performance you can see, touch, and sense. Welcome to Fastlane Family. We've got a great show for you today. I've got in studio Tiffany Daniels. She is one of our very own junior motorsports employees. One of the newbies around here, so we're going to get to know her. Of course, our Wella Professional Tip of the Week will be coming up later in the show. We're going to tell you how to get that perfect curl, so stick around for that. But first, let's meet Tiff. I'm a, do I call you Tiffany or Tiff? Tiff. Tiff. So okay. We, we go back and forth on this all the time, <laughs> so I answer to anything. Uh-oh. <laughs> but usually Almost everyone ends up calling me Tiff. So that's just, okay. I try to start with that, and then that's when people make it Tiffany again. So. Don't tell, <laughs> don't say around here that you'll answer to anything because, you know, You're Jam right. 360. <laughs> dangerous. Yeah, they'll, they'll get us. So th- this is funny that um, we're getting to talk today. But I told Tiffany um, in Daytona, uh, I said, we're, LW and I are going to have to sit down with you and find your story out because I knew when Mike Davis was interviewing for your positions, for the PR positions, I didn't really catch up with him much um, till, until towards the end when he had hired you guys. And that name, I'm like, Tiff, Tiffany Daniels, that just sounds familiar. You know, where do I know that name? And I'm like, I, that, I just, that name sounds familiar. And so I didn't ever think of anything. And, and then in Daytona, something came up and we were talking about you. And, and you've got uh, an extensive background uh, as a racer and an engineer um, in the sport and, and now PR. So that reminds me of why I figured I knew the name. But I told you in Daytona, I said, we're going to sit down and, and hear your story out. You just didn't know it was going to be on Fast Lane Family, did you? <laughs> right. You know, first off, when, you, when your two bosses come to you in the trailer saying they need to get your story, you're yeah. like, oh, man. You're like, uh-oh, what story? Which <laughs> what one do you want? <laughs> what happened? Exactly. <laughs> and now we're putting it in a podcast. So <laughs> Exactly. You know, Amanda and I were talking about, we were always talking about who to have on. And um, I said, well, you know, we should talk to some of the new people because we have some really interesting folks. So I'm glad that we got you on here. So let's um, let's hear your story. You are, you're a young 30 years old. I, I'll i take that. <laughs> yeah, 30, right? It sounds you old to say 30. 30. Yeah. I just turned yeah. 30 and yeah. I haven't gotten used to saying anything above 20 something yet. So. I know. Well, for me, like I look at, you know, you guys and I'm like, oh, they're so young. And then I look back at your background. I'm like, well, she started racing in 2001. Gosh, she's so young, and because I was so old in 2001, I'm so old now. <laughs> well, and I started racing late, too, so I wasn't that right. young when I started. Right. I didn't start till I was 16. Yeah, so you grew up in Smithville, Virginia. So I tell did. me how you got the racing bug in your family. Small town, Virginia, and so my dad had always been interested in racing. Didn't start driving until after he was an adult. But was driving when me and my younger brother, Cliff, were both born. So we kind of grew up at the racetrack every weekend. That was was just the thing to do. You had to take naps so you could go out (laughs) to watch Dad race on Saturday night. I remember fighting my mom tooth and nail about that every step of the way. But yeah, we we just loved it. There's 
probably not anything that really compares to <laughs> growing up out there, but it was just normal. It's hard to explain to people. It, I know. it really is. It is. <laughs> <laughs> and my dad likes to tell everyone how I was his back window cleaner in the late model. Cause it's really hard to get back there. So when I was a little kid, he would stuff me back there and that was my <laughs> job. So That's a good job. Not the most glamorous start, but <laughs> got to start somewhere. Exactly. I'll have to keep that one in mind. So as your family, you just were, your, your dad liked racing, was a fan, obviously living in Virginia. And yeah, you know, the sport was right. It, well known. it was pretty big in yeah. our area, southeastern Virginia. So having Langley Speedway really close, that was his home track where he started racing Grand Stocks and late models and traveled a little bit around the area, um, southeastern Virginia mostly, but North Carolina some. And then my brother decided he wanted to start driving, and my parents actually let him get in a car pretty young. <laughs> you can tell I'm a little bitter about that. <laughs> and he's younger than <laughs> yeah, you, Yeah, right? he's younger than me. <laughs> so he was uh, nine years old and started bandolero racing. And shortly after he did, we're very competitive. It's just the two of us. Um, so he was doing something fun, and so I needed to do it too. <laughs> How many years are there between you two? Three years. Three years. So yeah. roughly, Dell and I are two years in two months so I, I can relate to that yeah um so your dad actually raced against Dell Jr is that right he did yeah. <laughs> so that was the uh the story that he used to you know prove that he was a serious racer he <laughs> raced against Dell Jr at uh, East Carolina Speedway actually in Robertson North Carolina so I remember going down there and I don't know exactly how old I was then, probably under 10, but I remember that being the big deal that Dale <laughs> was there and <laughs> dad was racing against him. So. Who was your um, family's, who did you guys pull for and root for? Richard root Petty for. was hands down my dad's favorite driver. Um, I, I think he had had some sort of interaction when he was growing up watching racing where Richard would stay after and sign for everyone, and that made a huge impression on Dad. And so I remember we were always grew growing up rooting for him. For the so, petties. Yeah. And uh, so who do you root for now? Because there's no petties out there. Well, now there's <laughs> there's no good answer to that, I've realized. Once you get into the sport, oh, you Oh, no, just, there's not. Yeah, yeah you, you don't have to answer that question. You might offend some former, former employees or something. Exactly. <laughs> or your current employee. <laughs> exactly, I don't know. Right? <laughs> I, especially this year on the 88 car, I've got four drivers. So how do you name one? You right, know, that's exactly. going to make three of them mad. So yeah. you better <laughs> learn to avoid that question. You better just plead the fifth right, right now. <laughs> exactly. So you started racing in the legend cars first? Was that I right? did. Mm -hmm. Yep. So after Cliff raced Bandoleros for a while, he was ready to move up to legend cars. I really wanted to be racing pretty soon after he started and my parents really did not want their little girl racing so I had to prove I was serious by working on his car for about three years and I don't know if you've got any experience with bandoleros but they're just a pain to work on the chains always falling off like <laughs> it, every, every little thing just kind of happens with them so by the time we were at that point my dad was like you know what you're just gonna start in the legend too I'm tired of these bandoleros we're just gonna Get start you guys this. together <laughs> we're had a lot of success in the legend cars it, w it was good um we had i always felt like i was behind i think because i started so late but you were six were you 16? i was 16 yeah when you started racing and by then you know that there were plenty of people that had been racing since they were five 
and even Cliff having been racing since he was nine. So I felt like, you know, I was always having to go to the little brother for advice and <laughs> that was frustrating for a while, but yeah, then eventually got the hang of it and had a few wins there, um, moved up to limited late models and late models. So kind of through the ranks. At what point, you know, in, in your racing, did you say, I want to do this for a living because you had very high hopes of being a sprint cup driver. Right. Um, and, and pretty quickly, I think I got hooked on it because it was something that I had grown up around and I'm very competitive by nature. And that is kind of like the ultimate competitive sport, you know, it's just you out there. And I really enjoyed it, enjoyed the thrill of it. And even working on the car, although I wouldn't have enjoyed that as much without the driving, but it, it was just something that we had always done and it seemed right. And so I knew that I probably after, after the first or second year driving, I knew that's something I really wanted to focus on. So by then I was nearing the end of high school and it was always important to my parents that we go to college and get that education. So I tried to figure out what I could major in that was as close to majoring in driving as you could. <laughs> so I picked mechanical engineering and did the um, program at UNC Charlotte that has the motorsports concentration and then minored in public relations. So trying to give myself a, a background to build off of and so that I had a you know, plan B, plan C, a plan, what, whatever it took to stay in the sport if driving didn't work out. And so you drove late models and you, you also drove in the K&N East series. I did. I was part of uh, NASCAR's drive for diversity program for a little while and drove in the K&N series for them. So that when was you, great. Did you try out in the combine for the diversity program? So the and combine, what year was that? there were a couple years where I went to the combine when they had it at South Boston. And I want to say it was around 2007, eight, and then 2009 was when I drove the K and N car for them. So for your late models, you were driving your own family. We were late model. Charlie Daniels racing. I have to ask you, does your dad get asked about being Charlie Daniels? He all does. The time? <laughs> and there would be times where we were on the road and we would stop somewhere to eat and people would see the name on the side of the hauler and ask if we were with Charlie Daniels and the Charlie Daniels band. And we would say yes, that we were hauling band <laughs> equipment in the cars. So. Does your dad look like Charlie Daniels? No. <laughs> Although I, the older he gets, the closer he gets to that. I tell him. <laughs> That's too funny. In college down in Wilmington, I I remember driving up to this um, cleaners that was a drive-through cleaner. And I, of course, you know, you have to give your name. And I'm like, Earnhardt. And she's like, Earnhardt, are, are you kin to um, the racing Earnhardt? And I'm like, who? <laughs> who? Who's that? And I'm like, I didn't, I've never heard of that. And, and so she goes on to explain how the Petties <laughs> and the Earnhardts, and she's giving me this whole explanation about how I should know about the Earnhardts. So I would be the opposite <laughs> way. I'd be like, nope, not yeah, related, not did, kin. Little did she know. <laughs> So, so you went through the Drive for Diversity program, raced in the East Series for them. You also got invited to the ASA Transcontinental Series race in South Africa. Yeah, so that was a, definitely a highlight of an experience. They flew a handful of American drivers over to compete. Um, they were trying to start an ASA Transcontinental Series, and they have this mile-and-a-half track that's modeled after Las Vegas Motor Speedway, actually, that was sitting over there and had been unused for a while. I think they used to race some kind of like F1 motorcycle on it and had turned part of the infield into a road course or something. But it was actually a really fun track <laughs> to race on in my first mile and a half. So we had to ship 
um, cars that were, it was basically a Xfinity chassis and a crate motor and you shipped it over a couple months before and we didn't get the cars back until a couple months later. So you kind of had to piece together a car that you didn't need for a while, but we had a blast. It was a great experience. Even got to see a little bit of South Africa. We stayed on a Savannah Cheetah Preserve, which was a just a huge piece of property and so got to kind of take a mini safari through that and then where they were rehabilitating some of the cheetahs got to oh, see all that cool. part so wow. it was cool that's a neat experience so at what point did the racing kind of take a back seat and your education with your mechanical engineering come into play and you were an engineer at Ganassi so for a while it overlapped um, I was still running I think legend cars and getting into limited late models right around when I graduated college. And as soon as I graduated, just from meeting people at the racetrack, I actually, and at that time, you know, the industry was doing so well, it was fairly easy to find an opening. And at that time, engineering was really taking off in the sport. So went over, it was Chip Ganassi Racing at the time. It was before they merged with DEI. And I was hired to be a support engineer, which the testing policy was still open then. So we were traveling a lot testing, but I didn't have to travel on the race weekends. I wasn't a race engineer so that I could still race. So I was racing throughout the three years that I was at EGR and then decided I wanted to focus a little bit more on kind of giving it one last shot to see if I can make anything happen driving and get more into the business side of racing. Um, engineering, once the open testing stopped had gotten so computer driven. If you were in the shop, it was a lot of CAD modeling and it wasn't just exactly what I had planned to do or wanted to do. And the business side of the sport had always been something I was interested in. So switched over and kind of did a lot of contract work for a little while <laughs> there. Uh, everything from TV to working with pit guns. I was all over the place for a while, all at the same time um, while I was still finishing up with racing. And then when the K&N East ride ended, I actually drag raced for a year. So that was fun too. I won in my second drag race ever. Gosh. So who knew? <laughs> I had never really paid attention to it before, but apparently if you focus on your reaction time, <laughs> then you've got it. Then right? you've got it. Right. So how did you transition into that from the stock car? My parents own their own business in Virginia and he had started, it was not related to cars really. So he had started a side business where he was working on older muscle cars and fixing up the interior, working with their suspensions. And I was helping him some with that. And he had a customer come through that knew somebody that had this drag pack Dodge Challenger, which they make them specifically for drag racing. And they run in a, an unlimited Hemi class and just travel around quarter miles. Um, and the Southeast mostly was where we raced. Although the race I won was in New Jersey. But we so just got hooked up with that. They were involved with Arrington engines and that's what they were running in the car. And they were like, oh, yeah, sure. You can drive the car for a few races. We were looking for somebody to take it over. I, I forget what had gone on with the driver that they had before. So Dang. ran ran for them for a little while <laughs> until it, it really started. Kind of came down to the point where I knew that 
to keep going on the business side of racing, I wanted to be able to travel on weekends, you know, with the Cupper Xfinity series. And so that was starting to really get in the way of my racing and came to the point where I had to make that hard decision that <laughs> every X racer there, makes. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I was there. So what do you feel like the hurdle was for for you to not be able to reach the epitome of what you're trying to do as a race car driver? It was probably a handful of things. I think that I, I wish I had started earlier, although that was certainly something that I could have overcome. I also had the worst temper then. And I look back now <laughs> and I, it just seems so ridiculous, but it, it was such a focus and it, we were so competitive, um, me and my brother, but like just my personality in general. And so I think I, I took a lot of things maybe like, I don't know, too more serious than I should have. And so that gets distracting yeah. at some point and takes away from the driving a little bit. And I was never very good at selling myself to sponsors. And I think that's the biggest thing that when I see people coming up now, you you can tell that things have shifted and people understand how important that is mm -hmm. and that aspect of it. And that was something that I never did a very good job with when I was coming up. I just wanted to drive. I didn't want to have to worry about all the other stuff, even though I was interested in it from, you know, an education standpoint. I didn't want to have to worry about that with my driving career, right, which right. is definitely a big miss. It's um, it's just such a big pool of people that are trying to do that. So I was just curious, you know, where, because everyone, everybody asks me these days, you know, how do you get involved in racing? How do you become a driver? Hey, can you help X, Y, Z? And you know, my little kids racing, and what do you suggest they do, and all this? And and I don't, I don't. There is nothing. There's not a magical sequence. No. It and it's all hit so this. hard. Yeah. There's, there will be opportunities that come that you have to jump on and that in hindsight you can see, oh, maybe we should have done that or shouldn't have done that. But mm -hmm. you never know that at the time. There's so many series you can start in. Yep. So, yeah. It, yeah. It's, it's cool. almost impossible. I just say network, network, network. Like you said Absolutely. with your dad and the business for the drag car, you, you're just networking and knowing people and putting yourself out there um, as best you can to let people know that you exist and what you're capable of doing so right. that you can hopefully get an opportunity at that. So you switched gears. You went to be an engineer, decided you wanted to focus on the business side of that, and you ended up um, <laughs> uh, working for a marketing company with the Lowe's account. And right. working alongside Jimmy Johnson and Hendrick. So that was a big, I feel like, career turning point up until then because I was finally in the part of racing that I was interested in if I wasn't going to be in this seat. I was over on the business side and marketing and PR was, I, I kind of wasn't sure which direction I wanted to go at first. And that opportunity came up and I knew that that was a good account and associated with a good team. And I learned a ton working with those people, both at Lowe's corporate on the sponsorship side and with Hendrick Motorsports and Jimmy and got to really be involved in a lot of aspects of that program that paid off huge, I feel like, in the long run. How long how, do you have the, is the racing bug subsided in terms of? I don't think that it ever does. People always ask me that. And I think if you told me I could go jump in a car, I would do it immediately. And we're actually setting up um, a big rental go-kart race tonight, which we kind of usually end up doing that on Tuesday nights in the summer once it's nice outside yeah. and get all the, uh, some current drivers and a lot of ex drivers together and take it out that, <laughs> on that, the go-kart track. Uh, yeah. Give you your fix and <laughs> exactly calm you down for a little. 
And so you came over to Junior Motorsports uh, this year to be the PR account rep for our all-star slash Ben Rhodes car. Ben yeah. Rhodes, he's an all-star in his own right. Um, he is. He's a series champion, so we can we lump him right in there. You you mentioned earlier you work with Kevin uh, Harvick, Casey Kane, Dell Jr., and Ben. I haven't got to work with Ben yet at the right. racetrack. We've but. worked together, yep, some here in the shop, and we probably check in a couple of times a week on the phone, and he's just a great kid, so I'm excited for him to get in the seat at the racetrack. He's really excited to get in the seat at the racetrack. He's come to a couple of our races to learn, and I know he, especially at Las Vegas, Dale spent a lot of time talking to him during practice when he was out of the car, and he appreciated that so much. So yeah, he he's a, he's really got three good mentors there, and, he does. and uh, some big shoes to fill. So, so would you? Is your job harder because you get to work with these Cup regulars who kind of got it figured out, or or is it easier? You know, because of that. I think it's a little bit of both. So, from a PR standpoint. Obviously, they are big names. They're also pretty well spoken for and taken care of already. So we're trying to build Ben up so that he can eventually get to their category. And just having a different driver every week makes it a little bit interesting, but of course, in a good way, because we know we've got solid drivers in the car and we have a chance to win every time we go to the racetrack and have twice. So what more can you ask for? Right. Did you know many of the drivers that you represent before you um, started to work here? Because uh, you, you're very networked in. I knew Casey from um, the Hendricks side, yeah. and I had probably been around Dale and Kevin some, but didn't know them well, but knew everybody that they worked with. Yeah. So worked with their PR people and some of their business people. Know, they have their own PR so. people that tag along. So exactly. I would say that you don't have, you don't <laughs> no. have a lot to do when no. it comes to them. When they're in the car, it's easy. I just have to make sure they show up to the Xfinity events when they're yeah. supposed to. From you just their might have to answer, answer to their PR <laughs> <Right>. people. <laughs> and that they have the right hat on and then I'm pretty right. much and good to go. You're in good shape. That's too funny. So what's it like uh, here at Junior Motorsports? I know. I'm the boss. What are you going to say? <laughs> yeah. It's a bad experience, yeah. right? But seriously, what are you <laughs> enjoying question. about it? <laughs> no, um, everyone's been so great to work with. I think that that has really made it fun over here. They're such great people, and everyone has kind of has that racer mentality. Most everyone, it seems like, has a background in racing and has been in it for a long time and just really – cares about the sport and about the company and also isn't afraid to just have a good time yeah. doing it. So it's been a really fun vibe and good. I've enjoyed everyone that we've worked with. Cool. If people have caught JRM 360, they know that uh, you're quite the adventurer. <laughs> uh, you and a couple of, uh, of the pit crew guys here jumped off the stratosphere. Have you done that before? Yes. So yes. I, I had actually done it once before. You were a novice then. And <laughs> yeah, I knew that it would be fun, but I do kind of have, I guess, the thrill-seeking bug a little bit. So, What any, are the crazy things have you done? I've been skydiving, and I, I kind of look for any opportunities to do something like the stratosphere jump. So actually, some of our guys have taxed me with being the adventure finder You're the every weekend. <laughs> yes, so I'm supposed to find something like that for us to do every weekend, which in some places is very easy to do, and others is a little more challenging. Well, but. you've been traveling over the last couple of years, so what are some hot spots and highlights that you've well, enjoyed? 
so, so far we checked off the stratosphere and then we went and hiked Camelback Mountain in Phoenix the following weekend or the weekend before. I can't yeah, remember now. Phoenix. What, yeah, whichever order we're doing it nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I okay. think it was the now weekend after. It was the weekend after this time. Um, so we're trying to look for things like that to do, but I'm going to have to find some other ones. I, some of the tracks that there would be things that I do, like there was a long bike ride that we would do in Pocono on this trail. We don't, we won't be there. So I'll have to find some new ones at some of these tracks. And then a handful of the tracks I'll actually be going to for the first time. Yeah. Like Uh, road America, mid Ohio, mid Ohio. Yeah. Yeah. I've only been to Iowa testing with Ern Arganazi before. So it'll be, um, well, you let me know what you find there to do. Yeah. I'm not really sure what our options are there, but we'll see what we can come up with. I've been there too, and I want to know what you figure out to do there. <laughs> we'll have to have you back on at the end of the year, and we'll have the adventures of Tiffany. Yeah, have a recap see, of, all, see, of all our. See what you've got a couple eight, weeks eight, eight, off because you've got two right. weeks off now, so you. So have I've got time a little time to research. To, exactly. Yeah. So what what do you like to do in your off time? Speaking of weekends off, um, I play a lot of intramural sports here and try to get outside as much as possible so I run a lot (laughs) after working with the 48 team they have a very um athletic mindset we'll say so Jimmy got us into the triathlons which I never thought I wanted to do before so we'll be training for some of those soon (laughs) starting so it it keeps me pretty busy just trying to keep up with that and then catching up with friends (laughs) I would say, Lord, yeah, you I, you can definitely tell you don't have kids. You not have time for this kind of <laughs> right. stuff in my life with three kids. <laughs> like, I don't, triathlon, what? I, well, and I don't know. I do I a different kind of triathlon. Yeah, that's a whole nother <laughs> level of triathlon right there. Exactly. <laughs> Are you a, a, a good healthy eater and fitness? I try to. Buff? I'm not perfect in my weakness is Chick-fil-A Uh-oh. for sure. Like downfall every time. I cannot well, resist. You can get grilled nuggets there now. You can. So. You, and, and a fruit and Actually, it's not. You can eat healthy there. Do I eat healthy there every time the I question. eat there? Right. No, not right. always. But <laughs> but I get- try for the most part to eat healthy. And that's one thing, at least when we're not on the road, I'll try to eat in as much as possible or bring my lunch. So yeah. I'm not eating out all the time. Yeah, my downfall, uh, if I were in your shoes traveling, are those little jars that the truck drivers have on the counter oh there goodness. filled with M&M's. And the peanut M&M's. Twizzlers one. and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Starburst. It's rough. Yeah. My downfall in Daytona was the Starburst. I'd pocket like 10 of them. <laughs> and I'd be out real quick. And then I went back and they were out. I was like, dang it. I'm trying to do better about that. The first couple weeks was rough. So yeah. I'm trying to exercise some self-control. But it's hard. Yeah, they when like to feed. When you're just standing yeah. there and it's sitting there, it's hard to not yeah. grab it. <laughs> and the truck driver's mentality is uh, they need to have things available for everybody. Exactly. Right? So they've just got all this stuff available. Yep. And they don't realize that we don't have any willpower to right. back off. <laughs> back away. Exactly. <laughs> what do you find is a challenge uh, to traveling every weekend in your job? I think just keeping up with the schedule sometimes, although I will say going from the cup schedule to the Xfinity schedule, I've had more free time this year and just having that day to get kind of your life back together and get caught up with laundry and stuff around the house has been really nice. But I, I think that's the hardest thing, just balancing your time and finding some sort of routine, even when you're traveling all the time. 
Does that give you time to, to date and have a boyfriend? No. No. <laughs> you seem like you would intimidate the heck out of boys, so. <laughs> yeah, I have not figured out that part of my life yet at all. That is still, still a big question mark. <laughs> I think they'll be scared of you, so. <laughs> I don't know. You're very might adventurous. might be out of luck. <laughs> very adventurous. Very independent. Seem to know what you um, want out of life, so. Uh, that would intimidate the heck out of a lot of guys. <laughs> so um, you, you talked a lot about your brother, Cliff, that you raced with. And he uh, is now the lead engineer for the 48 Cup right. car. How's he been, how long has he been doing that? So he um, is three years younger than me. So followed the same path I did through UNC Charlotte and the engineering program there. And then started working um, actually with an Xfinity team as a race engineer then moved to Stuart Haas three years ago and was Tony Stewart's race engineer the past two years, the past two seasons, and then came over to the 48 this year, this off season. And my mom was kind of excited because she had us on the same team for like a month oh. over the <laughs> off season. And so she was like, oh, I get to root for the same team. That's so great that my kids are on the same team. And, and now she gets to watch news, two series. And she was like, oh, thanks. Well, at least but, we're but competing like, in different series. Exactly. So does it, so it's, and we both got yeah. our first wins with the new teams in the same weekend in Atlanta. So that made that her really cool. happy. And it was cool. a cool moment for us. We actually live together as well, which surprises oh, a lot of people. Yeah. But we we get along well, and we're both so busy that I I never see him. Yeah, like we'll see each other. Well, there lies the reason tonight, that you, and that'll be that's the first why she time. doesn't have a boyfriend. <laughs> right, you live with your brother. Yeah. That doesn't like, help. Yep, things you're not either. dating. <laughs> no. <laughs> He's nope. no good. No. Nope. Yeah, he might be my little brother, but that does not stop him from yeah. having an opinion about uh, any guy. <laughs> I know the feeling. I know the feeling. Well, that's cool. That's funny. I didn't realize you two lived together. You're probably the same way about girlfriends with him, right? right? I'm, I'm pretty strict <laughs> on him about it, but he actually now is dating um, a girl who I tell everyone was my friend first, and then he <laughs> stole her, so... Everyone asked, you know, oh, do you like Cliff's girlfriend? I'm like, well, well yeah. yeah, she was she was actually one of my friends until he stole her. So, so that works out well. <laughs> How often do you get back to uh, Smithfield to see your parents? Well, my mom actually has just recently moved down here, and I can see Dad coming um, shortly. But we'll we probably only make it back home maybe once or twice a year now. It's hard with the travel schedule, but we'll usually go back around Christmas yeah. and Thanksgiving. Kind of the typical family mm -hmm. get-together holiday. Same thing for us. Where all of us are in hearts. We live within a 30-mile radius, and that's when, it is, that's when we see each other. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it's crazy. Do you have a big family there? We do. We've got a couple aunts and uncles on each of our parents' side, and one of our uncles has eight kids, all girls, <laughs> who are pretty close Bless in him. the area. So um, we do. We have a lot of cousins, and most of them are all still in the Virginia, southeastern Virginia area. So we see them all when we go home. Did you leave, eat a lot of Smithfield products? Being from Smithfield, Virginia. We definitely <laughs> grew up right across from the packing plant where they <laughs> handled all the Smithfield ham and Gwaltney bacon. So I ate plenty of Smithfield products. Lots of up. that. That was the only claim to fame for the town. Literally, when you drive in, it says ham capital of the world. And that's <laughs> the only thing. Is Everybody's there's nothing else there. For something. <laughs> well, cool. Well, this has been fun. Glad to uh, get this story out for the the tens of thousands of people that are going to listen. <laughs> I got the story too, which I told you that we were going to do. So I'll have to get LW up to speed now because 
he was wanting to be in on the story too. So. Now I need to get the background from both of y'all because you both have very strong racing backgrounds. I know a little bit about. So, <laughs> all right. Well, have maybe we'll the let, tables. I was gonna say you can be the interviewer next time. There we we'll, go. We'll turn the tables for one episode of Fastlane Family. It's time now for our tip of the week, brought to you by Wella Professionals. Curious to know how your favorite celebrity gets those bouncy, free-flowing curls? Well, we're going to let you in on the secret. Here are some useful tips to get the curly hair that you've always wanted. Now, this is going to be really good for me because I have stick-straight hair. Mandy, you've pretty much got stick-straight hair. Yeah. you got a little flounce in your hair there, too. Mine so. actually you're, you're is pretty... naturally wavy, and oh, I gosh. mostly we're gonna talk about straighten you then. it every day. Because <laughs> it gets out of control really fast. All right, so to make sure that you get the best results with your hair, always use the right kind of shampoo and conditioner that's designed to work with your hair type. After you wash, decide what products and styling implements that you're going to use. If you have slight wave or curly hair like Tiff and you want those soft curls, take advantage that you've already won half of the battle. Simply apply the product that you want to use and then you use your diffuser attachment to your blow dryer. And you can just kind of crimp and mold your hair uh, with your hands as you dry it and then use hairspray. Have you tried that? I actually have. I do have yeah. a diffuser. That's my summertime go-to. It's yeah. a lot quicker for drying your hair. And then you just finish that by running your fingers through your hair and kind of soften the curls out. I've tried to use the diffuser, but it I can sit there and crimp with as much product as I want. I'm nothing the same Nothing way. happens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it looks worse, actually. For those with straight hair, now we're talking, Amanda. <laughs> it's time to apply the products and begin to section your hair off in four quadrants. Once you section your hair off, begin to take the pieces within each section and curl from the mid-length to the ends. Take into consideration that the diameter of the curling wand is going to dictate the width of your curl. Once you've curled all your hair, use a light hairspray to hold the style. With your fingers, just kind of mold small pieces to give those strands unique texture. Everyone's hair is different, so find a styling product that works for you. Here are some recommendations from your styling professionals at Wella. For your prep time, begin with a Wella Velvet Amp. This will prime your hair for the styling products, followed by Wella Thermal Image Heat Protection Spray for protection. Do either of you use the um, sprays for protection? I've, I've tried those. I, I actually like the way they work. I probably should, but usually I'm in a big hurry. And yep. so That's I don't my problem do too. Yeah. I'll definitely try to use those. Get you some Wella Thermal Image Heat Protection Spray because you burn out your hair for too much styling there. For wet styling, use Wella Professionals Natural Volume Mousse. And for dry styling, try Wella Professionals Stay Essential Finishing Spray. Now, I'm not very good at dry styling. I, I don't know. Once my hair gets dry, I can't seem to do a lot with it. I like the wet products like mousse and I things too, like that. Yeah. Yeah, I get yelled. Boost. I get yelled at too from uh, if you go in and you're having to do like a fancy do for a wedding or, or party or wherever you need to go. And I always wash my hair before. Yeah, and they yell at me. Yeah, either. and I don't. But I don't understand how if I don't apply those products, how it's gonna stay. Same. Yeah, I, I get that as well. You can purchase these or any Wella professional product at any of the 782 Ulta stores nationwide or purchase online at Ulta.com. I hope you've enjoyed this week's edition of Fastlane Family. Thank you again, Tiff, for coming and joining us. And uh, we'll see you here, same place, same time, next week. Fastlane Family has been brought to you by Wella Professional Hair Care, multi-sensorial hair care products that you will see, touch, and sense the difference from your very first wash. Hair care needs from fine to normal to color to coarse, Wella's got you covered. Wella Professional Hair Care products are available at over 780 Ulta stores nationwide. Visit Ulta.com to find the store nearest you.
Thanks for listening to Dirty Mo' Radio.